0: We are back with another Black Widow Cream podcast. New episode every single Wednesday and Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, aka Ben Real Verse World, and this is episode 203. Today's guest is DJ, producer, event promoter, Tip. With ten eyes, most popular, and known for being the personal DJ for Alan Kingdom, Bobby Raps, and most recently Young Gravy. I've been friends with Tip for a minute now, and I've been following his career even longer. Tip is a powerhouse when it comes to the Minneapolis music scene, promoting shows and DJing events regularly, bringing acts into the city like Playboy Cardi, Soldier Boy, Chief Keep, and Suicide Boys, just to name a few. In this episode, we chat about Tip's tactics for marketing and how they've evolved over time. How Tip would front his own money to bring in acts like Playboy Cardi to. Minneapolis and opened up for them as a DJ himself. He shares a story about the time he actually lost money on a sold out Soldier Boy show that gained the attention of TMZ. He shares about his relationship with Bobby Raps and how he began DJing for him and Alan Kingdom, holding some of the biggest shows in the Minneapolis area. We cover his opportunity traveling the world with Young Gravy and their relationship, along with his sponsorship with Monster Energy Drinks and so much more. I'm excited for this episode, but yo, we've been talking about Epidemic Sound this entire month. It's the illest music licensing platform for video creators on the market, and we want to give them a big thanks for sponsoring the Black Widow no Cream podcast. I switched over and started using Epidemic over two years ago on many of my major client jobs, and it's been super simple and easy to use. Plus, their music is top quality for video production. With Epidemic's commercial plan, you get access to 30,000 soundtracks and 64,000 sound effects that are all licensed for use on all online platforms. You can use their music in digital ads and for unlimited social media boosting. Another thing I like is that you can can even sub-license content containing epidemic music and sounds to a third party. All you have to do is whitelist the video's URL in your Epidemic profile, and boom, the video is covered on all platforms. It's that easy. And to be honest, like, no one wants to worry about copyright infringement when delivering content to their clients, and when you have the commercial plan in your toolbox as a creator, you can focus on what you do best. Right now, Epidemic is giving a special offer to the BWNC community. Use the code BWNC at checkout to get a 30-day free trial and of 50% off your first month. Link is in the description. Hop on that. If you are new to the podcast, you are probably wondering
1: what the fuck is black window cream great
0: question black window cream is the illest educational resource for content creators fueled by caffeine or at least i take my coffee black window cream but you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community we have thousands of members from all around the world working together by sharing content asking for feedback passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to become the best motherfucking content creators on earth and you can join our private group if you want to by going to bwnc.com slash join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. And without further ado, I bring to you my episode with tip and the most epic podcast intro ever created. Right, motherfucking no! Attention.
1: If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? Yeah. You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to. Goes to. Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I
0: knew you would say that. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, tip with 10 eyes. With the DJ horn too, boy.
1: (laughs) Fire, fire. What's happening, man?
0: yo you know what uh not shit we just fucking out here i i really got a chance to go to the ocean recently and swim in it and it was like the first time in like a year and it felt fucking fabulous that's fire yeah what have you been up to you're in minnesota right now right
1: yeah i'm in minnesota just in my career just chilling i'm loving the time off super fire i like, know this is my first time that i've like had to like really just not do anything is that weird it's weird, but it's so cool. Like, <laughs> I've low-key been, like, hoping for some shit like this.
0: Like, <laughs> Minus the deaths. Minus, like, the sad part of it. Just the oh, opportunity. Yeah, that, like,
1: obviously, like, that's terrible. Yeah, but it's right. just, like, me personally, like, I'm like, yo, I don't need to go outside really for anything. Like, I have so much, like, shit that I have to do and want to yeah, do. I feel Like, right. it's crazy.
0: No, it's good. I know, uh, um, like, I, fuck, man. There's so much shit that we can talk to. I'm excited because I have known you for a long-ass time, and I've been wanting to do this interview. Like, do something. We should shoot the shit. But, like, yeah. from from me living, growing up in Iowa, looking up to Minnesota people in the music scene, especially in, in hip-hop and all that shit, you're, like, the curator of all things that is Minneapolis music, in my opinion. Like, you're somehow the glue to everything, whether it's, like, promoting shows or being involved in music, producing music, DJing and all that shit. You've, like – captivated this and i think it's like cool because we had we had a so we do on wednesdays we do a thing called the morning roast. Sundays are interviews, Wednesdays are a morning roast where we like deep dive into a topic. And we had this one topic, i don't know if you ever saw uh the youtube series. It was by John Krasinski I think it's how the dude from the office. He started like a youtube series called uh Some Good News Network. Did you see that by any chance? No, no, no. Okay, so essentially in a nutshell this dude created he created this show where he just provided good news during this time where it's like a lot of shitty news, right? And so he just reports on all things dope that have been happening. And then he sold that shit to like a CBS or some random probably network for like millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And the topic point to me was, I wish I would have had, I wish I could have like figured that out when I was in college or in high school, the idea of creating a network. And for him, he did it globally. But like what I compare to you is that you do this within your city like you started within your city like y'all at an early age started putting together this movement and this community around music and shit that i feel like you guys did what he did on that micro level and then it expanded which is so dope to me do you feel like that's true
1: yeah yeah definitely like it was really like a lot of like what me and bobby have been doing and me and like like start starting even in like as early as like 2010 We've been just like trying to just like basically just like mob up and just conquer like the city. You know, that was really like what our aim was initially. You know, because we did a we did a group even before like we got any like national attention. We we had a group called Audio Perm right. where it was like us and like eight other people and we really just like tried to like get the city on smash and like did every single thing we could to like have people hear us and like just put people on to like what we were doing. And it was like, kind of like a sort of like Wu-Tang-esque right, type right, right. thing, you know, um, where we just took like people we knew from like different sides of the city and like St. Paul and like, you know, South side and, and, and just people from all around the state and, um, and just really just tried to do like as much damage as we could when you, know. you were
0: when you were piecing that puzzle together and you were starting to build this like crew of people what was the most important part about bringing everyone together for you guys be I'm curious as to how that reflects publicly because I think there is an advantage to be able to bring someone from uh twenty miles over this way to someone that was over here, different high schools et cetera, and you're bringing everyone together to to really build kind of a foundation that a lot of people could kind of get behind mm-hmm. what what why what like what
1: was so important for you at the time to like kind of create that. Well, it was it was sort of a natural like us coming together because we um all of us already kind of um we listened to the same kind of music. We we were all on this like it was kind of like an unspoken type of thing where it's like we all just wanted to make music and it was it was early on and I think that's why we kind of almost like it didn't go further is because we weren't really nitpicky about like, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What, it was just like, okay, we just want to be out there and do it. Right. You know what I mean? We didn't think too deeply into it where we were like, oh, okay, what's what's your five-year plan? What do you want to achieve with music? It was just like full force, like go. We didn't think about anything else other than just trying to like put ourselves in an elevated place, right. you know, and just, and-, and just try to like just do as many shows, as many songs. And then you know kind of just figure figure it out along the way so you know? as you
0: were doing that as you're like developing it's almost like you, that's like going to college right for a lot of people you just go try to hop into some shit and you kind of learn as you go like what you know you gravitate towards uh and for you not only producing and, d- and djing like that obviously djing goes it has stuck with forever and i'm I'm assuming producing as well but you got really into promoting shows because you guys had to get the word out that y'all had shows or you guys were doing events or whatever so is that when you started developing the ability to kind of like understand how to promote i mean i've been friends with you on facebook for fucking ever and and it's like there's constantly a solid like presence of you that's in a non-spammy way if that makes sense which is hard to do like the way you talk about events is doesn't feel like a spam it doesn't feel like i'm tr- you're trying to sell me some shit you're trying to provide me like an opportunity you know what i
1: mean yeah that's and that's kind of been my whole like it, it took a while to get to that point though because initially i was like spamming the shit out of everybody like early right. on in those days but i would I, I looked back on it like you know like the little time hop shit i was like yeah. man you feel bad I don't you? Doing? <laughs> like i, I was going crazy Sp- anybody that i knew yeah, like, I, did the same I had shit. no shame at all. I was just like, yo, come to this, come to this, watch this, watch this. Like I didn't care. Right. Um, but then you kind of learn later on. It's like, okay, as, as the internet kind of progressed, it was like, okay, now everybody's doing this. So how can I set myself apart from everybody that's doing this and everybody that's spamming? It's like, okay. Um, if you look thirsty and you're like, not begging, but if you're just like, super thirsty about getting people to go to events or, or listen to your music or whatever. um, It sort of loses its, its value to, to an extent. Mm. And what I, the approach that I had with shows where it was, it was like, I would do like sort of like invite only type shows or, or sort of like semi-private events where it's like, okay, you can go or not. It doesn't really matter. Like, obviously I cared, but it was just like a, like, okay, you have to RSVP to go.
0: So right. you have
1: this certain, like, you're kind of, like, tied into doing it. And it's just, like, the the less thirsty factor, and it kind of ups the exclusivity factor as well. Like, I wasn't, I never had any residencies. Hmm. I never did anything on, like, a regular basis. So it was just, like, whenever it pops up, it's like, oh, tips got a thing. And it's, like, you know, I kept stuff going for so long, and I, like, had a, like, I had an email list, I had a street team, I had all these things that, like, other DJs didn't really, like, think about, um, or they thought about, like, I guess, to a lesser extent, I don't don't know exactly what they were doing, but um, that was just a way that I, like, differentiated myself from other people, Um, and I just approached it in a different way, Mm. Um, which I think is important in any business, or building any type of brand, is just originality, and just, seeing and having a good idea of what people are doing within that community and then figuring out a way to set yourself apart where right. i was like okay i'm not going to do the run of the mill shit i'm not going to i'm not going to just constantly spam and constantly do all this shit i'm going to do it in a tasteful way
0: hmm. you know? i think it's it's when you do that and then When people get through the door, when they've paid the fee or whatever it takes for them to get through the door and the experience is next level, then Mm -hmm. you're going to have this continued support that's going to back and be cool with getting the email or whatever. They're going to want to be able to get that shit because they realize like, yo, this is that that is a great Friday night. Like I'll always remember that Friday night or Saturday night or whatever. And they're going to want to keep coming back, you know, which is so dope. And I feel like when you do that at a certain point, somehow that catches the attention of maybe other people. uh booking agents and shit because you start doing like really big shows right that you were you personally were like presenting these massive shows in minneapolis with like soldier boy at the time like all these huge artists i i can't remember them all off top but like can you talk about that like how did that kind of transcend into not only just your smaller events with the, your local artists but then it grows to these these national artists
1: Yeah so basically what I did was like for a while I just did like these local parties like these concept parties that I had like I would do like R&B events and just things that are more like niche events Um, and just to show that it's not just like again not just a run-of-the-mill party it's like there's some thought that's going into this there's like you know like we do like full like transformations of the room and we have like you know just go kind of above and beyond but how that kind of went into the bigger shows is that, initially it was me just like opening at these shows. Um, and they would know that I have like a sort of, not like a fan base, but I just have people that pay attention to what I do. Right. I wouldn't go as far as to say like, I had like rabid like fans, but I it's just people who knew that when I was DJing something, it was something, um, you know, that was legit. It was, you know, Cause I was like, not only a DJ, but a promoter. So it's right. like, I'm kind of playing both roles. And I think that's important whenever you're building a brand is to play and have, have many hats, you know? Mm. Um, so, so the way that that worked was I would work with all of these different promoters who knew that I had like, like they would skip many steps when they were working with me. So they would, they would have, I would make the flyer. I would post the show. I would do like a contest to give away free tickets. I would, you know, then DJ the show. It's like that's so many steps that a promoter would usually have to take that I would just, you know, eat up for them. Yeah. So, 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 and then, and then as like I grew and I, I like saved more money, then I was able to throw my own shows and like put in on shows. So, like right. we, we brought um, me and Free Minds, which is another like uh, promotion group here we brought uh, Playboy Cardi here for the first time. We brought like we brought him here a second time and this is like before Magnolia. Right. So it's like we were so early on stuff and like really just knowing the like climate and just the atmosphere of like like where you are cuz like if you look at like analytics you would never know that Playboy Cardi would do well here right. especially before Magnolia cuz he he was like a very niche artist but we knew and we were tapped into like what people wanted.
0: Well, and even so, at that time, there was, was there even analytics? Like what, like, what could you base it off of a couple of videos that popped and, and, and shit like that at the time? Like right. you don't, there's no way to know, but you guys had, had like, and that, I think that's also special. Cause I remember uh, a, a college in Iowa had gotten Kendrick and then he dropped good kid and, but they had booked him early for like so cheap. And his rate went through the roof right after that. And it's like that luck of being able to, to be on to somebody and convince whoever needs to be convinced that this person should perform here, but you would do it and also perform at those shows, right?
1: Oh yeah. So I would, I would organize them. And then, um, I also had like a team of interns, um, who they would, they would help me out because like I, I had realized I was like spreading myself way too thin. Um, so I would, um, yeah, I would book the shows, DJ Adam kind of basically just do like everything that goes into throwing shows. Did you, you find
0: know? it, uh, like for you, this is also an opportunity for other artists in the area to have an opportunity to. Cause like for us, I came up in music, I was always rapping and shit. We had a hip hop group and all this stuff. And we would be mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, we just gotta get it. We gotta open up for all these acts, open up for all these acts. And we could just try to open up for everybody. I think mm-hmm. the only time we ever got to go to Minnesota was to open up for Hoodie Allen. <laughs> I can't even remember what venue it was at, but it was like, we're um, Minnesota. This is sick. Uh, yeah. But like for us, that was so important. So like befriending the people who, have the key to that slot was so crucial, right? So then you start building this community within the music. I'm assuming more artists that you didn't even know, you're starting to build that relationship with them there, right?
1: Yeah, you mean like local artists?
0: Yeah, local artists, I'm sure, that want to get an opportunity to perform at this shit. So are you working with them too and trying to help not only them build, but they're also in return building what your events are going to do and produce as far as like bringing out fans or whoever they have they know from the spot. So like, are you using that as a strategy when you're when you're trying to bring in numbers?
1: Yeah, and now looking at it from a from a more like retrospective aspect, um, there were certain points of it where like okay, there there's two ways that 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 would happen. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like picking a local artist, like when we were setting up a show, we would either have someone who we like really liked and like had had a buzz in the city and we knew them and we would put them on just so they could get the exposure because we really like believed in them or they were like they would bring people to the show or um whatever just people that we fucked with um and then there was another side which people kind of there, there's a lot of like drama around this but like having people paid to play right at shows yeah, which a lot of people like talk down on that and they're like yo like never do that never pay to play a show. But it's like uh, I've I've fucking done shows for free. I've basically paid for sh- to play shows yeah. and it's like yo that's kind of like part of it. It's right. it's a little bit like ethically it's a little bit in in like a gray area. But so what people would do is they would pay to be on a show. And they would get tickets, and then they would sell the tickets, and and try to you know make their money back, and then they would you know potentially get a profit based off of how many tickets they sold. That's dope. Um, So and and a lot of people they they'll say like yo that's that's wrong that's like fucked up. But I the way I see it is you're investing in the show. Yeah, you are. I'm I'm paying to put this show on. I'm putting all of my money into it. So if if I don't know you and you want to be involved in this. I look at that as an investment. So you're becoming a co-investor in the show. Um, Like, okay, like Soldier Boy, for example, I sold a bunch of slots to perform at that show. I sold like probably like five or six opening slots. How how
0: long would they get? Huh? How long would they get to perform?
1: Uh, I think like 10 minutes or something like that. Right. So you Uh, sell
0: slots, everyone gets a chance.
1: Yeah. And, And I did that. I mean, bro, I still lost money. So it was sold out show we're on TMZ, all this, like from the outside perspective, it looks fantastic. Insane. sold out, whatever. But when you're dealing with people um and you're on the business side and everything is on you, you can take losses. Like they like stopped letting people in before it got to capacity. So there was no way that I could make my money back. Damn. So I ended up losing, even though like, this is something I've never like said publicly before, but like, okay, I lost like probably, like, three thousand dollars on that show just because there's shit that can go on that no one has any control over right like security tripping not letting people in not not um letting people in who bought tickets yeah and then having to give refunds for that right and and just like there's so much behind the scenes like just bullshit that goes on with throwing shows so it's like all of those people that that bought slots they they probably got made more money off that show than I did.
0: Right. Well, it's cool yeah. that you gave him money too. I remember we would do a lot of shows and it was either, it was always sell tickets. It was like, yo, you can play this show if you sell these tickets. And if you don't sell these tickets then you just owe us like however much you didn't sell. i yeah. like, all right, cool. But we always, we're like our network of fans or friends that would pull up to the show. We can do this. All right, cool. We need to sell 50 tickets, a hundred tickets, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I always appreciated that. And I remember there was one show we played for J Cole uh and crit and they played at like a bigger university that like our big gym for my university it was like yeah. our biggest show if it would have done well it had like seven thousand seats we're like holy fuck this is gonna be crazy and we kept asking them to let us sell tickets but they didn't want us to sell tickets they just wanted us to pay like a flat fee of like i don't know what it was it was like 300 bucks or some shit but right, tickets right, right. were like $60. I'm like, "Bro, if you would have just let us, we want to sell tickets. Like, you guys are not selling tickets. We can tell this entire university to pull up to this shit." And right. and it was just like this weird conflict, but to me, I agree with you, man. It's like especially if you really believe in yourself as an artist, a lot of slots of openers on big tours pay for that spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you if you usually, don't know that they don't you pay for it in one way or another whether it's paying for all your travel and all the other shit you think like someone just picks you up there's some artists that take care of people and like we'll just i'm gonna bring you on you can ride in the bus with us and you don't have to pay for shit but like you pay a lot of money to to open for artists so i don't think there's an issue with it and i think that's a great way to look at it and 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 give them an opportunity to invest in like but like why would you invest in them to give them the exposure and all these great things. If they're not even going to be able to help you bring in heads to the, to the venue. Cause they're not just coming by themselves. They're going to come with three homies. That's three tickets that you could have sold. They're going to bring their, their video person and their parents and whatever the fuck. And yeah. then all of a sudden you just like lost 16 spots that you could have sold to somebody else. Like yeah. you got to invest that way. That's dope. But you, so yeah. as you blow that up, people start, you might have taken the L on, on that show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, from the outside looking in, shit was cracking so do people start does the word just kind of start spreading about you as a promoter that people should be going to or were you start would you just be selective on who you reached out to at the time because you got you did so many you've done so many shows in minneapolis a,
1: a lot of the reason why like okay a lot of my shows were were what's known as co-pros mm. where like it would be like a half and half situation like the situation we played with Cardi, party where yeah. i would put up half of the money and another entity would put up another half so like green room was a person who I worked with. Um, that was a company that I worked with for a long time where it's like, okay, they would have the connections with booking companies and they would find these artists. And then I would throw in my half, they would throw in their half. I would do more of the like groundwork promotion and online promotion, a DJ I'd do the flyer. Like I said, like do all that, like kind of grunt work, I guess. Right. Um, and I wouldn't really be on the side that's, talking to the, you know, booking agent and the artists and stuff like that, that was handled by somebody else. Um, but I had been doing that for so long. Like we've done that for like so many people. Right. And, and really it's, it was just like a kind of a snowball effect where it started with the local parties. Then it went into promoters realizing like the, the power that I had with like my network and my ability to just like, really just do everything and like whatever they needed,
0: hmm.
1: you know? Um, and then, and then that went into me eventually doing my own shows with, with bigger artists where like, but after a little while, like the game really, like the like promoter game, it sort of just dried up completely. Really? Um, just because like rap got like so popular that um, it became sort of like a live nation bought like everything. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like every tour, like it's crazy because I've seen every single side of the game that you could see. So I've been like the, the grunt, like opener street team member person. I've been the local opener. And then right. now with Gravy, like um, I'm on the headliner side where we, sh- we show up to all these places and you know you know all the the shit's taken care of and all that yeah it's crazy yeah it's interesting it's so it's been really cool like i i I have a lot of like perspective with this shit
0: right and and so like so with the group that you had bobby you kind of continue forward and continue to grow that relationship bobby blew up you know what i mean a lot of people know who bobby is um Mm -hmm. i think there was like a south by south event south by southwest event i was at and you guys were on top like a rooftop or some shit do you remember that
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And it
0: was, it was like some random party. And I remember being there inspired because you guys are from Minnesota. We're like 15 hours from Texas. And you mm-hmm. guys were down in Texas and making this whole rooftop go off. You know what I mean? And like yeah. there was something special. And that was early. You know what I mean? And and to see that happen, and be like, wow, this shit's really going to explode because people look to Minnesota like we look to – chicago for a drill or we look at joey in new york at the time who was just like turning around for the for new york and like all these different artists were doing that for their cities and you guys had that for minnesota and that shit was really special um yeah. can you talk about you and bobby's relationship because then would you go to produce with him and, and dj with him for his shows and was it like random one-off stuff or how, how that relationship end up developing
1: bobby's like someone who like our relationship is really special just because like we even before like our first group like I had known him I've always known him through music but like he's someone who's like actually like I consider like my family mm. you know so um I met him I think in like 2009 and we've really been together throughout the entire process right like throughout both of our like you know rises to wherever we are um like we started producing together We were, like, you know, going through all the, like, and he just, like, he excelled in production much more than I did. Like, because we were both just sitting there. We would sit there all day and night, just making beats, working on shit constantly. And then, eventually, it was, like, okay, he's excelling at a much higher rate. Like, he was, like, amazing from an early age, like, from when he was, like, probably, like, 16 on. He was making, like radio quality music just himself and he he bar none is the most amazing musician that i've ever seen damn really like, bar none because he he could make i would tell him like yo, like let's let's make this type of shit. let's make this and it'll be the craziest shit that i can think of and he'll do it to a t hmm. and it's like nothing right you know it, yeah. it's like nothing to him that's you special know? so some people really are just like made for music i, I personally myself i'm not like that hmm. you know i'm not like a born like natural musician he he that's something innate with him i think right um, so to you know to speed it along i mean <laughs> like um so so we we just um so he he kept making music like we we did our group thing the audio prem thing um, and then we kind of like drifted apart a little bit after that, kept talking, but, you know, he did his own thing. I did my thing. Um, and then in 2000, like the audio perm shit ended in like 2013. Right. And as that was ending, that's when the spooky black Corbin scenario kind of started. Yeah. Um, so it's just funny how like we're going full force with this audio perm thing that kind of fizzles out. Then Corbin starts to starts to pop, you know, and he he did that kind of on his own.
0: Was he part of Audio Perm?
1: No, but the an ironic thing about that is like the last last Audio Perm show he was there, mm. and he he was there, and that's like when he he just really liked Bobby, you yeah, know, what right. I mean? he didn't right. care about anything that we were really doing, but he yeah. liked Bobby. So then he dropped that video for Without You or whatever, and he that just blew up out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, went nuts.
1: Yeah, and he didn't even try to do that. He didn't try to make it blow up. It wasn't like a big, like covert thing, you know, like, um, and then obviously him and Bobby started working and then Bobby kind of brought me into that fold, mm. you know, and I never like, uh, I guess I kind of like wasn't even really DJing seriously at that time, but they just needed a DJ, I guess. Right. So I just like started DJing, and like the big reason why I started DJing is because I would just get shows. People would say like, "Yo, I need a DJ for this," and I was like, "All right, I'll do it," you know. And then you even DJed
0: at the time. You would DJ for I I can't remember who it was, but I remember seeing you on stage DJing for some big rapper, like you were DJing for them on stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, he's even just DJing casually as fuck for like, I don't remember who it was when I saw it, but I remember being blown away by that because they're just, everyone's just kind of going to you for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's another thing that's happened too that like kind of progressed where like people would, cause I think, um, I, I was just known as kind of like a reliable person, I right. guess. So people would just ask me. And a lot of times like people don't have DJs, DJs aren't really like valued. Yeah. in like the hip-hop community that much at least now you know they were before right but now it's just like artists would show up without a dj right so i kind of just got like alley-ooped into those scenarios a lot That's of times fire. like i dj'd for aaron carter like that right. like aaron carter just showed up and he was like yeah I don't have a dj and he just he asked me to go on tour with him too like so <laughs> and this is when i was dj for alan too like not to like go on another tangent no, but yeah like, right i got to choose between like going with Alan and going with Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter. Like, yeah, I'd much rather go with with Alan. You <laughs> yeah, know what right. I mean? Like and then and then like a couple months later he he was like came out as like a Trump supporter and oh, shit like that. God, i up. know. like, all right. Cool. lost control. But yeah, yeah, yeah but he, still he, that's
0: kind uh, of like an ill pat on the back because Aaron Carter was at one point in time like one of the biggest like child musician artists, whatever you want to call it. You know what yep. I mean? Like isn't yeah. that fucking weird, bro? How we like, at one point these people can be so massive, and then later on, they just take their own lane, and shit shifts or whatever, and it's just funny. But yeah, Alan, Alan's a smooth move. So, yeah. so you and Bobby, you're DJing with him, and you start doing the shows with them at that point in time.
1: Yeah, and that's when that's when all that shit kind of started to take off, and then we like w- went to like moved to Toronto for a little while to work on the uh, standard album. Mm-hmm. Um, then we went on tour. That was like our first time touring. So then we got to, to see a taste of like what other realms are about that's when we started moving around um and then um that kind of just it didn't fizzle but it's just like everybody kind of went there same way with audio permit just it was never like a oh like fuck you whatever it was just a we all started to do different shit right 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 um so like then alan like did the kanye shit he did all day Um, Yeah,
0: right, which was... I've heard, like, these random rumored stories. I don't know if this was at Craig's house when people would talk about this shit. Maybe you were telling... Or someone told me this shit. I don't remember who it was. But it was, like, this story where Alan would always talk about how he'd been writing with Kanye. This is probably so fake. I don't know why I remember this. That he was writing for Kanye and tell everyone in... uh, In Alan Kingdom, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know who Alan is, he's really dope, and he has a song called All Day, which was fucking massive with Kanye at the time. Uh, But he, he was apparently writing with Kanye for a while and no one believed him. And then all day came out and everyone was kind of like, oh shit, is that true? Or maybe that's just like a cool story to tell people to get people excited. Uh, about.
1: I, I don't know if that's exactly true, but what, what his involvement is with that is uh, he was managed by Plain Pat. Oh, fire. And that's been happening since like, I think he had been managed by him for like a few years even that's before that crazy. happened. So that was just a good like segue into that whole, you know, camp right Um, for him um where like plain pad just like found him on the internet and then just started you know fucking with him and it's it's been up from there were you in
0: london with them when they did that uh when they did that performance you weren't that shit was i remember i watched that a million fucking times bro yeah
1: because we didn't none of us even knew like we were all just like you know like i know that like he got like called to do it and i don't think he even knew he was on the song. It's a, it's a sample. It's not like he went in and, like, recorded that part. Right. It's a sample from another song. Like, I wow. heard the song. It's, it's like, like really, like, weird. Weird-ass song. I love it. Because it's so weird. Like, some of the music that he's made is so, like, progressive and just, right. like, just insane. Yeah. You know? And Kanye just, like, took that part, put it in, and, and then he, like, he called him, like, a day before the Brit Awards thing. It was Fuck. like, yo get on on a plane we're doing it that
0: again goes back to being inspired bro i remember watching that shit literally seeing him come out and there's that pack of like a 100 dudes with flame flowers and shit and they're performing at this this live event and he came out and "I'm like that motherfucker's from minnesota bro like i don't know why that seems so far-fetched you got prince and all these ill people that come from minnesota but like just to be like three hours from that and seeing someone found and brought out by kanye like that i was like this shit is incredible and it just added to the stack of Minnesota, like, you guys have a movement going that is unprecedented, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, it um. was definitely, like, a like a really, really cool time and, like, really important because, like, really, like, um, we always do have these kind of, like, memes that come up, like, people from here, and it's, like, you, you wouldn't, like, I don't know, like, we have, like, 50 Tyson and, like, mm. Tay Zonday and stuff like that, and it's right. really interesting to see, like, when you go to other places, what they know from minnesota right you know what i mean because it's very few and far between like prince prince is like obviously very like prevalent and everybody will remember that forever but it's like what what's going to happen now you right. know so it's like alan is a big part of that like in corbin is like a huge part of that you know that's crazy is, is like well and a lot of people say little Yachty. you know what i mean right, like, right. That's a, like everybody knows that like, i was in japan and i would see like hello like Minnesota, like University yeah. of Minnesota gear, and I was like, man, that's fucking weird. But like, yeah. he really brought it into like the nat- like the national consciousness. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's pretty dope. But yeah, it's interesting to see like people from Minnesota just like reach that national level. You know,
0: it's fucking dope. I mean, it's what it's what people want when they're when they're trying to you know follow their passion and get into a position where you can grow. And I get that all the time from like filmmakers now from Iowa and shit. So I see it's the same thing. Like just to be stuck in cities that are way smaller than I'm in a, a Minneapolis or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and to like dream about that shit and you watch that happen, it, it just kind of builds like, I don't know, just, it just gives you belief like that it's possible, you know? And yeah. for you, you, you know, to be a part of all of it and find multiple ways, like you said, by wearing multiple hats this entire time, that's helped you elevate in tons of different operations because it's like you could be in producing you could be DJing for a different artist which allows you to travel the world you could put a show together where you could make some like money off that shit or um, build relationships with artists and and brand development shit and I feel like do you play a part in that like brand development through having like these flyers and being able to design in that sense but also just like you're like this culture icon. I, don't, I saw, it, I think it was on your Instagram. You still left it up. But it's a picture of you, Craig, and Jordan at like a some fucking basketball game. And yeah. you're just are the, wearing the illest fit. And it's like when people see someone like you walk into the room, they're automatically assuming that you've done some wild shit. You know what I mean? Like that you're a part of something ill because most people aren't ever comfortable enough to like just go stun on some people in like a crazy ass hat or whatever the fuck. Like I think you had an article about... Uh, there was someone did an article about you following like prince's lead and like dressing and shit which is so dope um which but
1: you, man people hated that shit
0: people hated oh the article
1: well not the article they just hated like the prince comparison which i'm like i was like yo i'm not comfortable with being compared to right. something like that you know what i mean because yeah. that motherfucker just like on a whole another level and right. they like people were just like yo like like fuck that like you can't you can't compare anybody to, to prince they're like yeah they were not feeling it but i was like yo like it's i can see why they would say it. i never said it right but i can see why they would say it but it's not just like sure. okay it's kind of like lazy comparison you know what i mean i can yeah. understand it but it's just like that's not really what i set out to do you know what i mean like
0: what do you set out to do
1: like i i, I really took like um sort of just the like nonchalant approach to this shit where it would just like, it's just natural. I would just like see shit and buy it and wear it. Like I would go to thrift store, see it. If it looked like funny or interesting, I would wear it. Like I didn't really take it super seriously. I'm not like a fashion person.
0: Right. You but without I mean? that, with that, do you feel like that adds to the flair of who tip is? Because if you walk into like, especially on tour and you're with a bunch of people in the room, you stick out now because you've built this like character identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's easy to recognize you, which could build like a fandom to that shit.
1: Oh yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what's fire about it. And that's, that's what's like, you know, I guess it just kind of naturally happened where it was like, okay, after a little while, when you're like doing something, um, it, you kind of naturally think about, okay, how can I set myself apart hmm. to an extent? And it's like, yo, I just like, I stopped like caring about like what I looked like or like right. looking like normal or whatever. And I was just like, yo, I'm just going to like wear the, it was like, it was funny. Like yeah. we would just go and I would just try to wear the most like weirdest shit possible. Right. And like, because it, it, it started on like a smaller scale, you know, like me and Bobby would ju- like, there's pictures of like me and Bobby and Corbin, we just, like, dress up and just, like, act a fool. You or know, like, Bobby had those
0: weird little, like, glasses and shit that were, yeah, like, skin that, tight to his face Yeah, or and that,
1: that kind of came from it, you know what I mean, where it's, like, we just didn't care, and we're just, like, yo, I'm going to wild out and just dress however. But then eventually um, I kind of got, like, more into it. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I, I like looking this way. I like kind of having a different swag and just, like, kept shopping and finding interesting shit. And then that's it.
0: That's dope, especially as you're traveling. I'm sure you're finding all kinds of wild shit that you might not be able to cop in Minneapolis or whatever. You're going to be exposed to, like, so much more fabrics and types of clothing and shit, you know?
1: Yeah, and just even, like, looking in the fucking women's section, like, it's, like, there is something to be said about, like, kind of not being tied to just, like, you know, man clothes. You right, know? right, right, right. Like, like, bro, I found, a, I found a, like, you know those like 90s, like biggie, like throwback shirts yeah. that are real, like popular now. Like I found one of those in the women's section. So it's, <laughs> it's like, like something that LGBT? like a dude would be like, oh shit, like this is fire. Like I found it. In the, I just sold that motherfucker for 700 bucks.
0: God damn. Are you serious?
1: Yeah. And I paid three bucks for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's that's like, so it's, it's kind of a, that's kind of like a lesson to like, okay. Like don't be bound by like, right anything yeah, you know what i'm saying like sure. there's all these clothes in this store just like buy whatever you want like look for new shit do I love different that shit. shit that's fire you know what i mean
0: that's crazy 700 bucks hell yeah that's a fucking Come up. um yo the hamburger helper shit what the fuck <laughs> yeah is that a contest
1: no bro like the that's the craziest thing it's always like the biggest shit is always like the most simple right so like the and i'm super proud of that too because the dude um my dude rob is the one who who set it up he worked at general mills or he probably still works well before um, you
0: explain it tell first what happened or what was it that happened what is it was a jingle right
1: the the hamburger helper um it was a mixtape mixtape and it ended up going like super viral like the biggest thing of like that week like in the world you know what i'm saying like top trending on like everything um and it was just a mixtape based around like hamburger helper which i guess had a a company had never done that before so it was a good idea um my boy rob had the idea um and he reached out to to me um and he was like yo would uh would you and bobby because we uh we did a song called fuck my baby mama and, uh, which it was fire. Like in, in, that was again, just like a simple idea of fucking around in the studio goofing around and we dropped it and it was fire. Like people right. really like fucked with it. Um, and like it became kind of like a local, you know, not yeah. hit, but just like people knew it, you know? Right. Um, and then after that, Rob hit us, hit me up and he was like, yo, um, we want you guys to do a song for this mixtape. Um, He's like, I don't know if, if the higher up said hamburger helper are going to want to do it or not. But like, yeah, there's an idea that I have. I want you guys to be involved. And we're like, all right, sick. Like, So I, I brought it to Bobby. Bobby was into it. I brought it to his manager. His manager was like, nah.
0: <laughs> hamburger helper?
1: No, we're not, we're not doing that. And then um, I like kept like on him and on him. And, and he was like, okay, you could do it under like a, a, a different name right you know, like an his name because his his name was like popping at the time it's like they're like really working on building his career and they don't want him to be involved in some like rinky what they thought was like rinky dink yeah shit, right you know? um but then um we did it turned it in like last day me and him just like made the beat together it was mostly him so it's um, just
0: one song it was like a compilation of different artists on a mixtape
1: yeah, and then got it, we got had, it. like, the first song, like, the main song from it. Okay, word. Um, and then it just, like, they dropped it on April Fool's Day, and it just fucking went out of here. It was, it was huge. Crazy. I remember it being all over the internet.
0: It was, like, on yeah. every publication, all that shit. was Everyone was sharing it. So, in that was the opportunity for you when you're seeing it or your boy was seeing it, like, yo this is a chance either to get a bag or cause like no one could guarantee that this shit was going to go dumb nuts on the internet. Right. So was it, nobody, was nobody. that the motivation was like, we're going to get a check for this shit. Cause when you work with brands like that, that's usually the outlet for artists. Like when you get to collaborate on,
1: on that type of shit. So what was that for y'all? We definitely got a bag from it. Um, that was my <laughs> main motivation. Cause I was fucking, I think I was broke as fuck at the time where we were like, I think it was like, like a couple thousand bucks or something like that. Right. Or like 5,000 bucks or something. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I really don't care. But yeah, like right. um, Bobby took the, you know, the uh, majority of it and he was like, you, you know, you can have whatever is left yeah. or whatever. So that's fucking um, tight. It was dope. Like we, cause we, that's like the most money that we had been paid to do something at the time.
0: That's crazy. So that
1: And that kind of, I feel like opened our minds to like, how much money was really out there and how much shit we could actually do. Yeah. So after that, you know, our mentalities kind of changed, I think, as far as like what was possible. Right. So, so that was, that was really cool. And I remember too, like, that was a time that uh, me and Bobby definitely had like a falling out after that.
0: After the show, after the song? After yeah. The because it,
1: was, it was so funny. I was on, I was on tour with Denzel Curry at the time. Yeah. Um, me and Alan were, mm-hmm. I was DJing for Alan and like, I remember just like going into like after the shit popped off, so many people had hit us up for interviews and like they wanted to know like, oh, what was the process? What was the woo woo? Um, And him and his manager, they did, they wanted to like leverage that to like, and, and they wanted Bobby to be like the face of it. Right. And they wanted to save the like interview process for, like, something bigger, right, you know? right, right? so they really wanted to work it up, but I fucked up, and I was, like, I, I didn't see, like, the bigger picture, so I just said yes to every interview, <laughs> and I was, like, I was, like, because I was geeked, I was, like, oh, uh, yeah, LA course. Times wants to interview me, all right, fuck sick. yeah, like, I'm with that, like, you know, and I got, like, Craig SJ, who's, like, one of the biggest, like, probably, like, biggest, like, writers, like, hip-hop writers, on earth you know i mean he's hit me up like yo let me interview for this i'm like man i can't i can't say no to these people like so what
0: bobby and them were already like opted out and told you that or didn't tell you that and then you were like all right fuck i'm doing these interviews
1: they they told me uh first like after i had already did one right they were like yo don't do any more and i think i did another one so I was I was just I was just like why wow, it was just stupid like Yeah cuz you know, to you I
0: mean it, they they had this bigger you know master plan or whatever that you probably weren't seeing and and it was a ill viral moment why wouldn't you hop on an interview
1: Yeah no in retrospect like we should have like viewed it as more like a team thing and right. like we should, we should have just like but like bro that was that was crazy like when you first like pop off and like it's like the biggest like viral thing ever like I wasn't thinking clearly about no, that shit at all. And I, I think at the time I was like mad, like selfish too. Hmm. I was just a way different person. I was just like, I probably didn't even give a fuck about anything really. I was just like, Oh, someone wants to interview me. All right. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm doing everything.
0: Right. You yeah. Know? No, I feel that. That's but what yeah, an but, experience.
1: Yeah. It was, it was, ew, it was crazy. Um, but you guys,
0: you guys figured out your shit though. Moving after that.
1: Like, yeah, it was, it was funny, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all right there. <laughs> We've we've been through so much, bro. Like right. we've been through like him, like hating me, like him just like you know what I mean, just like everything that that you could go through. Like right. and it's still like my brother. I would I would die for him, bro. Right. Like, so it's it's just when like I I love like friends like that where it's like I, you can be not cool.
0: That's family, bro. That's like yeah. how it's supposed to be. That's just yeah,
1: exactly. So it's like I'll like I'll do anything for that motherfucker.
0: Right. When did yeah. the young gravy shit happen? Cause I'm so. My background on that kid is I don't know much about his music and shit. I've seen a couple of videos and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, this dude's fucking poured milk on an ass. I think I saw one video and shit. But I went to um, we had another art or we had another guest on the podcast, Oliver Francis. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so right. Oliver had a show in L.A. I just interviewed him. I went to a show and uh, young dude came out. Young Gravy came out and I was like, who the fuck is that? Because people were going nuts. And then later, I see you start posting like, "Yo, we're doing these shows," and all of a sudden, you guys are torn all over the place, and that dude's blowing up. Like, how did you all link? Because he's from Minnesota too, right?
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah, of he's course. From a different, like realm, um, but that's that's interesting because all of it is tied together in some fashion.
0: Every, how so?
1: Everything that's happened, it might be semi coincidental, but it's like. Um, uh, me, he, he really, like, fucked with, like, Bobby and, and Corbin and stuff like that. Like, he he knew of them, and he really liked them. Um, and he heard about me from uh, – he, he just told me, he was like, man, every show that I would see in Minnesota, you would be on it. You mm. would be opening. So, like, I was, like, aware – he was aware of me from that, you know. So he was like, man, like, this dude must be doing something. Like, he's on every show. Um, so I met him – uh, him and Bobby did a show like super small show at like this venue called the Red Sea. Um, I think that was my first time meeting him and his DJ, like couldn't show up. So I DJed for him there. Um, classic. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, it just, it, and then it worked out where like he, um, he was looking for a DJ at the start of 2019 and he hit, he hit me up. Um, and he hit up, uh, like a couple people just to like, make sure that I was like legit or whatever. Um, and then he asked me, he was like, yo, I want you to DJ, um, you know, on this tour. Um, and then eventually, like, we just got super close because we're, like, so similar um, just in, like, our work styles. Like, we were, like, so on our shit and about our shit. Like, we just we just live this shit. Like, right. we don't, like, do anything else. We just, like, work and that's it. Yeah. You know?
0: um, Is it, like, something about... Are you saying in the sense of like him also wearing multiple hats and understanding how to build his brand you too so you guys your your bond is very similar and you guys are growing together and being able to like really build build a foundation behind what he's doing through that because I was curious to see if you had anything to do with the growth of his brand and like how how that's portrayed at all
1: um, I th- initially no um, I didn't I, I was kind of just brought on as his dJ um initially. Um, but then as time grew on, uh, or, um, he, he started to realize that, like, I kind of had more to offer, mm-hmm. um, to an extent. And then I kind of got into the, um, almost like creative director role. Right. Um, where like, I'm someone who understands his brand. Mm. And I understand like what he wants and expects out of things, whether it be like art or videos or just how he's, you know, he presents himself. And a lot of people don't like really understand that necessarily. And I'm like, he, he kind of realized early on that, like, okay, he gets me like, you know, and I understand him, you know, that's fire. Uh, so, but, but initially I, I had nothing to do with it. That's really, that's a big reason why I really respect him um, aside from just anything personal is that, he really like very carefully curated his brand and how he like developed himself. That was really all him, Hmm. you know? So down to like everything about his aesthetic, he really pays attention to like themes and, and he's really very like conscious and cognizant of, of just everything about his brand. Right. Um, Which is, which is, which I'm, I'm the same way. Like I, I built like on a much smaller scale, I built a very cohesive aesthetic around like my like flyers and how I dress and how I, you know, just am, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and he did the same thing. So I think like, we kind of realized that about each other and then that kind of brought us closer to now, like he's another person where that's like my family. Right. That's
0: dope. So then you guys, you said 2019, is that what you said? Or 2018, 2019, 2019. So you guys link hit the road cause he was touring a bunch, right? Like, so you guys did a lot of traveling, a lot of shows
1: yeah and that that helps you like grow really fast too because it's like you're spending every single day with this person and it's like you go you find out like what that what they hate what they like what they you know what i mean and it's just you just grow so close when Um, did the when
0: did the monster uh deal come because you got sponsored by monster at some point right
1: mm -hmm. that was uh that was when i was doing a lot of like local shows was um, it 2017 oh shit i didn't even realize that was that long ago fuck yeah yeah that was dope that was that's like something that like made my life you know what i mean like it's just that shit was so fire and i just like that that's something where like this this is like people talk about this a lot like the whole manifestation thing or whatever but like i literally just tweeted i was like yo i want to be sponsored by monster like who can help me And then, you know, uh, this this girl, Sarah, that I know connected me with one person. And then another person, I met, like, the representative at South By. I sent him a letter, like, where I just, like, people can tell how real you are. But, like, it's very easy. You know, if you're just a person who doesn't really care about shit and is just in it for money or to you know, you don't have any actual real like feeling about you. Mm. I think people can sense that out. And I think he sensed the opposite about me where like I actually loved, you know, love monster. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm very serious about like, okay, I have a platform. I can promote this brand and it's just, I love it. Yeah. You know? So I wrote him up. Okay. I'm going to do this, this, this. This, 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 all of this shit. And just by him reading that, he's like, Okay. And I didn't ask them for money.
0: Hmm. I
1: didn't want any money. I was just like, yo, just send me product. And they're like, Okay, um, we're gonna give you money anyways. <laughs> so and that's like, yo, for a little while, that's like how I made a living. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is just like they they gave me five hundred bucks a month. That's fire. And that's like to me, they were like, Oh, sorry, it's so low and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're stuck. Like I was not making that much money at the time. Right. You know what I mean? So that's like fucking crazy for this, this brand that I love and that I like devoted myself to is sending me not only what I asked for, but they're paying me to do this shit. So I was like riding for them hard.
0: Well, that's what I think is interesting is like as a DJ and a personality, it's like being able to collaborate with brands in that sense goes a long way. Not only to help you pay rent or whatever shit you got to pay for, Mm-hmm. Mainly that, bro. For a brand, for a brand to know that this is a person who will get on stage and be in front of X amount of people almost every single night, you can guarantee. Oh yeah, our shows are keep going up, and I'm always up there. And I could fucking slap that sticker on a laptop. I could whatever. I could drink it before the shows. Whatever. Just they spend so much money on shittier events. You know oh, what I totally. mean? They'll They'll spend ass loads to be at wherever and whoever put that event on. They're like the six string quarterback that no one gives a fuck about. They just threw the money at it. They put the brand somewhere, but you being able to actively vouch for that shit goes a long way. And for them to invest that into someone that's a creative who mm. already struggles in every which way, you know what I mean? Create, being a fucking your own boss and trying to make a living and survive. And you know what I mean? It's different. So having someone like that get behind you is really unique to see. I love, I love it when I see a brand represent someone creative and 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 support them in that way, and then obviously they're gonna get the return. That ROI is fucking dumb. Five hundred bucks a month for them, dog. That's like thirty cans or some shit. Probably I don't know how yeah, much. Yeah, that's 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 like probably five hundred cans.
1: It's nothing to them, and to me, it's everything. Everything. You know? So it's right. all about perspective. It's like yo, and and I'm like yo, I'm about to like rep this shit like so fucking hard. So I was every show I was fucking giving it away putting it on the table every fucking social media post right so everybody that knew me knew like okay like that's what i'm rocking with so it's like yo if you think about how many eyes
0: mm-hmm. i
1: fucking put them in front of it's like yo that's easy because yeah because like you said they'll put fucking ten thousand dollars into an event and they'll be like fucking 50 people there but i'm like Okay, I'm at Migos, 3,000 people, Kevin Gates, 3,000 people, Uzi, 3,000 people, and it'd be, like, every single event. Right. So, it's, like, yo, you think about how many fucking people that is, Crazy. and it's, like, places where, like, there's no other ads. You don't right. see any ad on the screen, or on the on the stage at all. Yeah. Just Monster, just those Monster cans that I have, and they're, like, yo, or, like, I had a fucking tablecloth. I was at Nelly and TI, and you had a whole fucking tablecloth, and, like, yeah.
0: That shit goes a long way. Bro, Is it, shit,
1: it's, it's fire. I'm surprised more people don't do that.
0: Have you have you built more relationships like that moving forward with other brands, or has that been like the only brand that you really fuck
1: with on a level like that? I've I've honestly even and even before that, I really fucked with Red Bull super hard when they were doing their um like the um, DJ Select. Yeah, yeah. I DJ'd a bunch of like like that's where I opened up for Travis Scott, that's um, tight. and like Post Malone, like way early on. It's right. crazy. Like in the same year. We did Travis Scott and Post Malone in a 700-cap venue. Crazy. Yeah. And it's, like, that's where Adam, I think, first met Post. Like, I have video, like, of Adam and Post, like, on stage before they even, like, really knew each other. Oh, that's fucking wild. So, yeah. so, So, it's crazy to see, like, how shit has progressed. But, yeah, like, Red Bull, um... But that's really the only other like it's only really been energy drinks, I guess. right?
0: That's funny. You know? It makes sense. But it's
1: cool, like you like. I'm sure there's other companies out there where they would want to like like. I know uh, gravy gets hit up by companies all the time.
0: Crazy, like, you know? right?
1: Like yeah, and it's uh, with him. It's it's mostly like uh like alcohol companies. Mm-hmm. You know, would want to fuck with him um because that's that's another big thing for them too. But because it's kind of like harmless. I yeah. haven't even really like tried to do anything else like
0: i'm surprised i feel like you could fucking kill that shit especially him being able to funnel shit down to you take your cut bud i don't give a fuck just lace me up with one of those ones you don't fuck with and i'll I'll sit there and rep this shit you know what i mean yeah Uh, exactly i remember adam shout out to adam degross minneapolis legend for photography but he he came out here and did like he's been on the show like three different times somehow he was like the first repeat guest and the first triple guest before a lot of other people came on but he uh he did the second interview we were driving. I was driving him back to wherever he was going. And that was like right when post had kind of like, yo, we should fuck with each other. And Mm -hmm. Adam was like, I don't know what I should do. And I was like, bro, text this man right now. And just be like, let's let me pull up or whatever. Just tell him like, I'm here. Let's work. And he sent out that text. And I think like two weeks later they scheduled some shit finally, but he was like very, really nervous about approaching it. And now those people like post put him on a whole nother level. You know what I mean? Like a whole nother level, which is dope to watch that shit. But, um, it's Yo, great. as we wrap up, like I kind of as we end, uh I want to what what's like one of the most interesting experiences that you've got with Gravy like on tour or whatever any event, like was something that you could walk away with remembering that that was like pretty wilder. I feel like you guys are always on some savage shit just cuz of the way his music and the energy behind it is. So yeah. I feel like you can get into some shit.
1: I mean, we I kind of stay like stay away from like the kind of wild shit to like cuz I cuz I don't drink. Right. You know what I mean? I don't right. drink or smoke, so like some of the the wilder shit that maybe he's seen or done, um, I'm not really a part of it. Right. Um, but I know that he does tend to wild out every right. now and then. Uh But the the craziest experience probably was Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Yeah. Wow. It was like we we like uh, it was just like the biggest show that we've ever done and that I've ever done. It's like. I don't think they expected as many people and nobody really expected as many people to come, but it was like the most people they've ever seen on that stage other than like Chance the Rapper, they said. Damn. So it's just like to be anywhere even near that, like Chance in Chicago at like the peak, you know what I'm That's saying? That's crazy. Like to to have similar numbers to that and like just see how like real this shit actually is. yeah is just a trip there was nothing really like exciting about it like i guess at the end they like cut his mic off and he just ended the set like super awkward in the crowd like right there was no ending yeah all right we're done yeah but but it was just like man to to look out and see like you can't see the end of the people
0: that's crazy
1: it's just wild and it's just like to know that like he's from minnesota and not only from minnesota He never was involved in any local shit at all. Right. So he just made this like he was in his room doing his thing, recording himself with his homies, whatever. And he made this like basically like this empire on his own. You know what I mean? It's just like, it just goes to show you, man, like you don't need anybody or anything to do this shit. He's completely like, sell so, like now it's different like obviously he's signed now right and he has management and, and me and whatever um but initially it's just just him just yeah. doing his thing now nah, he can to like build his brand
0: i love that shit what do you okay. uh what's 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 next for you man like how, how how are you gonna progress obviously you're on vacation mode right now technically so when when yeah. shit opens back up like what what is the goal for you moving forward
1: I mean, I honestly am doing more things kind of in the private sector, I guess. Like my my number one overall like goal for this break is just to kind of chill and just be like a better person. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm more focusing on that. Hell just yeah. cause like my whole life thus far has been work. Right. And I realize I'm like a workaholic and I don't even think about like being as good of a person as I can be. And just like, you know, just being real. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I've done okay, but it's, like, there's many things where I know I could be doing better. Yeah, of course. And just be healthier and shit. Um, So just focusing on that, that's, like, my number one priority right now. And I started, like, ghostwriting for people. That's dope. Um, So, like, just getting into that side of the game where, Mm. like, I just always want to do things that I've never done before. And I'd, like, I'd never want to, like, repeat myself in any way. So it's, like, if I've been doing something for forever it's like i almost like abandon it and i right. just do new shit
0: yeah you know
1: so that's now dope. like doing that like ghostwriting and just working on more like actual music because i would never tried that before so i was like fuck i might as well try it and it it works out good that's right. hell yeah. yeah good man like,
0: congrats i'm proud of you bro it's a uh, it's cool to watch it it's inspiring obviously like i said like i came up with y'all from a different part of part of the midwest and to see that shit pop I don't know. Just always gets you amped up and shit. So it's cool to see you kill it. And, and I'm, I'm glad things are going well for you, bro.
1: Yeah. No. And and likewise, man, I'm super proud of you, bro. Like really like you inspire me all the time, bro. Like, <laughs> even just with you doing shit. this and you doing like all your touring shit and, and all that, bro, that shit is so inspiring.
0: No, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Yo, what I mean, if you wanted people to go find you outside of, I mean, I guess Instagram, but is there anything else you want people to look at to pay
1: attention to you? Not really. I just... I don't even... I haven't even posted on fucking social media at all. Like, I've just been... Really, like... I stopped even fucking with that shit. But, yeah, Instagram is, like... That's really the only place I post.
0: Everyone follow him on Instagram. So, when he when he gets back from vacation, he can go fucking ham. You can follow along with all the new shit. He can tell you about got, who he goes Friday for. I got Friday so
1: for. much shit to post. I, got, I believe it. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I got... Bro, I got so much shit stashed up. I've never posted any video before. That's and crazy. I video from, like all them years everything that's been piled up like so i have a hell of shit that i want to post so it's like definitely definitely about to go off
0: all right man well i appreciate it thank you so much for doing this shit uh we'll tap in soon whenever you're out here let me know
1: okay for sure thank you bro i appreciate you
0: absolutely all right later
1: That's it for episode
0: 203. Huge shout out to Tip for coming on the show. Um, Yo, if you want to get in touch with us, if you ever have ideas for the podcast, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're a creator and you just want to reach out and say what's up, we have a text platform that we use. The number is in the description below. I would love for you to shoot us a text. Tell us what kind of creator you are. We tap in. We send weekly motivation and lessons that we're learning from the podcast every week. Just random updates and things like that, but also just to stay in touch. So if you ever have a question whatever, reach out, say what's up. We'd love to connect with y'all. But um, other than that, today was a good episode.
1: Uh, we will see you in a few days, you bitch.